The Newsreader is a new show on ABC, the Australian Broadcasting Company. It takes place in the 1980s, and this episode was about Halley's Comet. Welcome to today's episode, where we'll talk about it. shows here and I want to see which one is most closely related to. Newsroom, The Morning Show, and Industry. <laughs> okay, yeah, do, do, you see, do you see that? You got two of the four that I was already talking about. Um, Wakefield I threw in there. I know that you didn't watch it, but you did the research for it. There's no musical numbers in this. It's not as weird as Wakefield. Wakefield is Australian though, so I see why you put it in there. And Mindhunter, that was just kind of a wild card. Anna Torv on. is also in Mindhunter. She plays a much different character. I almost prefer her character in Mindhunter because she's so serious and determined compared to her character in Fringe. Um, in Fringe, she was more of a loose cannon. In this show, she's kind of a wreck. But at the same time, she also is a strong, independent woman. <laughs> so, I thought that she was supposed to kind of be very, very serious in this show as well. No, she's actually, she started a relationship by the end of the episode. But it seems like she's, the only time that she's very serious is when she's a news reporter. Otherwise, she's having a breakdown. But I'm not exactly sure what this is supposed to follow. I think it's the beginning of some news network in Australia. I'm not familiar with the way their news well, is. Well, the 80s was a very, um, I guess, expansive time for Australia. Not only was the economy being um, opened up a lot more because of the Labour Party, um, it really was kind of coming into its own. You had Paul Hogan, who was gaining international attention, and it seemed like Australia, for the first time, was really like kind of being seen as a tourist place and a place that people wanted to go to. And uh, Michael Lewis, who, or sorry, Michael Lucas, who has worked on this show a lot, was there was one thing he wanted to do and that he created yes he created okay and he wanted to make it as authentic and uh, as real not just like emotionally like actually truthful as possible so he did a lot of things in order to do that in fact i have a lot of information here like he got uh consultants who were working on shows in the 80s he also uh yeah they have 80s music and there are definitely 80s vibes especially the haircuts the dress uh the dressing like it's kind of outrageous right, yeah john Logue, who was the hair and makeup designer kind of talked about how back then a lot of women had to wear these like shoulder pads when they were yeah. doing the uh yeah. show and that was actually like a statement he even talked about how when he was in the 80s like he would wear three shoulder pads on each side and then go out to the bars like it was just something uh, normal that like everyone did um mm -hmm. i believe even the main everybody had mullets and yeah bubble skirts like you were saying yeah and a big part of this episode is about this garden party that comes in later and uh helen the main character anna torv she is like concerned about the dress she wears so she wears a bunch of dresses throughout the show trying to figure out which one to wear for the final it sounds yeah. kind of boring that way but it's also very political like there's this guy named jeffrey walters who is the main reporter of that news cycle has been there for like 25 years or whatever he's uh, being pushed out a little bit because he's 60 years old now it's 1980 what six um, yeah, and January 30th, 1986, uh, because we follow the days of the Halley's Comet. Yeah. And it, um, it, but yeah, he's getting pushed out, and uh, but then he decides to stay at the end. Where was I going with this? Oh, yeah, the political nature of the show. Just like industry, we got that cutthroat vibe as well. Not just, it's not just a party. It's not just like, oh, we're going to do a homage to the 80s. You definitely have like this background story, like newsroom, where there's just so much office politics going down everybody's talking shit about it, each other right it's very competitive 
Uh, yeah, Dale, this new guy who is kind of the protagonist of the show, he's with Helen by the end of this episode, mm-hmm. but he is sort of the up-and-comer guy, and now Jeff is taking on him under his wing. So we're following... It's It's not as evil as say an industry show where everybody sort of has a dark edge to them yeah it's more australian in a way where where it's a slow burn and i'm enjoying it when dale Dale and helen originally when uh, michael lucas was writing this he said that it started off with um just kind of dale he wanted to have a male protagonist who had like a wrong i guess definition of masculinity and then went for that and then as that story progressed he was like oh there should also be a female protagonist and then a lot of like i think a year and a half of just a speculative script was just kind of about them and and how they worked off of each other and then he's like oh no i i became a news junkie like within that time so then he uh incorporated the news part into it yeah so he plays a senior journalist and after the events that occur on the first episode where him and helen kind of create this friendship out of him helping her get through this tough time in her life uh, they also have like a simmering romance but obviously by the end of this episode they're together but he's very embarrassed about the idea of anybody thinking his role on the news network would be affected by like he would be getting special favors or anything yeah, like he's, that he's stating so i think that's what you meant by michael what's his face michael lucas the lucas creator. saying that uh he that this character has a misconception of what, what where he's going at first. Yeah, basically. But now he's sort of, I think he's in the right. Because he, he realizes he shouldn't be ashamed about liking this reporter. He shouldn't be ashamed about um, following in her footsteps or taking her guidance or helping her. Um, so, yeah, in a, in a way, it's an empowering show in that respect. Did you learn about anything new about the Haley's Comet? Um, I learned that the next time it's coming is 2061 um, because they mentioned that. It's so it's going to be around in my lifetime. <laughs> ABC kind of gave um, them access to the archives in the 1980s so they could really use whatever they wanted to. Yeah. And um, I believe even in the background, uh, Michael Lucas was really glad because he was able to get the production designer um, who really would probably be having to like shift around a lot of people. But because of COVID, he kind of came in the night before and like everything in the in the whiteboards, even though it's just something in the background is like events and in, in the exact order they took place and actual facts uh, facts about them 1986 was also the time when things like the challenger happened uh the aids epidemic kind of and and a lot of different things and that's why uh the initial time like when uh, michael lucas was first writing this was 1996 mm-hmm. but then he decided to do it 10 years earlier because he felt like there was just so much drama and uh, actual events that he could pack into it also i think it's easier right now to differentiate the 80s from the 2020s than the 90s from the 2020s mm-hmm. Um, for instance, in period pieces, we see a lot of 60s shows where you see old cars and a very, like, everybody's wearing a suit. And in, like, the 70s, you get sort of more of a disco hippie vibe. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Um, but the 80s, like, I think it's going to grow. There's going to be more more people showing, like, the poofed up hair and, and the, the craziness that was the, the drug use. Like, we, we get the Hawaii Five O type 80s represented in TV, but we don't get too much more than that. Well, yeah. Um, So it's nice to see a period. Like in this, we see the Betamax, mm -hmm. we see answering machines, um, and then we see those old clothes. Do you you see people smoking and drinking alcohol in the newsroom? Not as much. Not as much as you see in like earlier shows. Like for all mankind, you get people smoking just constantly, especially at NASA. (laughs) Yeah. And that originally took place in the 70s. Now that they're moving up, I wonder if they they change that in the next years because they do huge time jumps in that show. 
I know that uh, whenever they would, because casting, of course, was a huge thing. You're talking about how they were trying to kick someone out. The woman, a lot of the time, had to, like, show really no emotion and be attractive, as you were talking about. But with... um, They gave her Valium, so she was having, like, a panic attack. And he's like, "Uh, Leslie, the network CEO guy, was like, here, take some of this. It's not that strong. And then they, like, right after that, she goes and, like, goes on a binge with him. And it's weird. Because, like... You feel like that would be, like, almost... I thought for a second it was going to take a dark turn and Leslie was going to try to, like, I don't know, try something with her. But then What's-His-Face Dale shows up and he's just, like, big hug and that was it. (laughs) That was the end of the scene. Well, the men were supposed to kind of be godlike whenever they were the people that were uh, the newscasters. Like, they were supposed to have these big booming voices. Well, Jeff is supposed to be sort of this, um, not over the hill, but he definitely struggles with even the intros at this point so it does seem like he might want to consider How does he struggle well they they showed him doing a bunch of different takes of the same thing where helen had it down like almost immediately and maybe it was just nerves for him but it does seem like he's not as on top of it as he used to be however his speech at the end made it seem like he could do this for another 15 years i, I just found it interesting where he was like in 15 years it'll be the end of the century and we'll be in the 2000s and and it's just funny to hear people talk about the century mark, like this big deal, because I know that's what happened. There was a Y2K movement and everything. Right. But uh, even 15 years out, um, you had things like Halt and Catch Fire, which I guess would be another 80s type show where you get to see things like old computers or a lot. compared it to that, yeah. They, well, they because just... of the time period. They right. directly could. And then also the Americans. So there are a lot of shows, I'm now thinking about it, that do hit the 80s mark well it reminds me a lot of kind of that 70s show when they were making fun because 1999 was one that came out but they were making fun of the ideas that they had for the future where there was going to be all these robots and flying cars and they would even do a lot of cut twos where you would see what they were imagining a lot of the time not only that but like that show came out within closer proximity to this time period than now (laughs) yeah that's crazy to think about and yet you still think of that 70s show as somewhat current like ashton kutcher topher grace myla kunis those are still big big names right yeah well, uh, well they, they, became, they became <laughs> they became famous off of that show but william mcginnis who he's the one who plays Lindsay, he's gotten a lot of acclaim for his role he basically said that he kind of covered it in truth he plays a good villain because you can tell that i don't want to say his heart's in the right place but he definitely is working he's doing his job but at the same time um his job directly contradicts with what you want to see as an audience member you want to see jeff succeed after this episode because he shows that he has the ability to still he he stands for what reporting should be you know where it's actually about the news and not about the pulp and all he's really concerned Lindsay is really concerned about is the ratings he's also sort of like um i told you about the valium thing with helen it's a little creepy when it comes to that yeah i mean is jeff he could play like a, a sleazy politician in an american show well, is Lindsay a hothead? Because it seems like... Well, when They're I was all watching, hotheads. Well, when I was watching Dennis the, is a hothead. I even wrote that Dennis is a hothead. He's one of the people who chooses what order in which to do the stories. He yells at Helen at a, at a certain point. Um, I don't think even Jeff's wife, Evelyn, is a bit of a hothead. Um, but yeah, Lindsay, you can tell that if he gets really mad, he would get really red in the face and just... He's a big guy. I heard it's a dark comedy. What are the comedy aspects of it? I said basically the clothes. Uh, some of the characters in the office are more funny than others. It's not a super c- 
there's like no laugh out loud moments I can think of. Well, just going back to kind of the hairstyles for a second, they, they <laughs> the most important part of the story. Well, the they, they interviewed everyone and said like, "What were you wearing back in the '80s?" Because everyone that was kind of like the prime most of their of them life. aren't alive in the '80s. I mean, Lindsay would be, Jeff would be, uh, but not the main characters. They would be like really young. They would have been kids. Well, Anna yeah, Torv was not walking around in the 80s. Yeah, well, she was talking about how she would have a lot of fringe hair. Like, they would always do the fringe, and then they use How old is she? Spray. Is she, like, 40? I think so. She's around there. Okay. so she, But still, this is 40 years ago. That would still make her, like, pretty young. To yeah, be, but... That, I guess but, as, a, as a young teen. I don't know. Well, that again, they grew up Who played Dale? Time. Do you know? Uh, yes, yeah, Sam Reed. I, I don't know, like, anything really about okay. him. Okay, he looks a little bit like the guy from one of those British shows, the en- Endeavor show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And Michael Lucas was talking about how when he was writing speculative scripts when he was first starting out, um, it took him 10 years before he actually got his first big break, uh, but he would write, like, speculative scripts for um, Home and Away <laughs> because he was hoping that he would one time get a job there. So he writes soap operas. Right, but something that a lot of screenwriters do where they'll take an actual show and then write an episode of it because it's a good way for the networks to kind of gauge the talent of what people can do with already pre-existing stories. In fact, when, they, uh, he, when he continually went to ABC trying to get this thing picked up... Um, Again, the- not... ABC America, but ABC. Australian Broadcasting Company. Yeah, uh, the person who was reading it like had to fly back to the UK, so they actually greenlit this thing because he read the script on an airplane, and then did he try selling it to a different country? Because it is about. I don't Australia. think it went international. Yeah, I think I think it was just supposed to be inside Australia. Is it being played internationally? I don't think so. No, but he does have a couple of different shows that he's working on as of now. Even one that's airing. He said that he was happy that he has two shows going on because he can't hyper focus on What's one. What's the other one? Um, I think it's called like five bed, uh, five people, one bedroom or something. It's on Paramount Plus. I think it's in season two right now. They also had a boys choir come in, and when you were talking about dark comedy, I guess that would be played for laughs, because they just started singing about Haley's Comet and how they had been waiting for so long, and these kids are like 10 years old, (laughs) so it was obviously not written uh, by them or anything, it was just like, oh, we're going to have a boys choir sing on on the television, and the television set looked a lot like a Simpsons episode where it was very bland. There was only like a box behind them. Yeah. It looked like Tom. Bro- what, what, what's his name? Not Tom Brokoff. Uh, the name of the. Hi, I'm. Yeah, the, I, I don't know the Simpson character. Wow, right. that's the only reason I have you here is for the Simpsons character. <laughs> well, no, names. no, but a lot of the set design said that a lot. A lot of the time when the '80s are portrayed, it's kind of this MTV, very colorful vibe. But no, really, it was like uh, the palette was neutral and had a lot of yeah, brown. Yeah, muted. So the show was. So the show tried to make it look like that as much as possible. I feel like we're talking a lot about the production, and as far as my thoughts for the show itself, it was it was good. It was okay. Um, I would give it probably a seven and watch another episode or so of it. There were some cliches that it fell into. I think that Jeff's character, when he stays, it was supposed to be this big twist um, for the rest that will like permeate throughout the rest of the series. But having his wife being like this this character who who kind of like pushes her husband into it, it feels very Macbethian, you know. Well, it feels yeah. like it's been done a lot where where Jeff may have not wanted to. He was being bullied out. But I don't know if he actually wanted to stay as the um, behind the desk, the person who is in front of this every news story for the next however many years. Maybe he would have been okay with retirement. Well, one of the reasons why I might fall into that cliche is this is the first time that Michael Lucas has worked on a period piece before. Hmm. So, so they just wanted to make sure to 
Yeah, I mean, they... Play again, it safe? Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, I think that that's also the more you do it, the more, like... Uh, I don't know if it's the more you do it, the better you get. Usually, if you come in there with a really strong idea, as long as the idea makes sense, it will be better than if you have to just keep on chucking out episodes well with what long. with what they were reporting on does it make you want to go back because that's uh, he was on a podcast and they talked about how it was almost like the crown where using these real life events it kind of makes you almost want to go back and like, are they based on them. real people though yes the, the, so these uh, these people have been interviewed to talk about their own characters well i don't think that they were uh that like Helen Norville is an actual person, so exactly. but she it was based, based but she was based off of someone who was very influential. In fact, Anna Torp even mentioned them as like a huge inspiration to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the show has been credited with getting a lot right, but uh, it also the one thing that people are saying is not true at all is the diversity back in 1986 that the show had. Yeah, you have Dennis, and then you have Nolene. She's an intern journalist, and then I think she's Asian, and they do make a like a joke about how she doesn't know japanese and she's korean or something so they are kind of trying to be social with it like talk about that um aspect of uh, racism however you're saying that she wouldn't have even been in the newsroom to begin with like they were saying that kind of the asian diversity was not something that was seen a lot back in 1986 i mean it's cool that they're trying to be historically accurate but i didn't go into this show expecting that i wasn't expecting it to be like okay this is going to be 100 percent truthful i just wanted to be entertained and for the most part, I, it, it was okay. There were some lingering scenes where they were just showing Helen kind of going nervous wreck, nervous wreck, nervous wreck. Dale kind of ignoring her, not wanting to appear too close to her. And that took a while to get like resolved. But by the end, we were left in a decent place where I feel like that storyline has been effectively stamped. So they don't have to just keep on belaboring the point from now on, hopefully. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the show has a 6.8. The Guardian gave it 4 out of 5. The Sydney Morning Herald gave it 5 out of 5 and said it's a terrific ensemble piece. Marge Downey is Geoff's status. Conscious wife and unofficial manager is horribly good. But if there's a standout, it's McGinnis, which again, it, uh, plays Lindsay. Um, just... He wasn't in too much of this episode. So maybe he was in more of the first maybe, one yeah, maybe the first or episode. later on. But uh, yeah, I had no problem with any of the actors. Uh, it was fun to see Anna Torv again. I was surprised because, again, she just came from Mindhunter, and they weren't sure if they were going to get a third season on that. So she has to be flipping between the U.S. and uh, Australia because I don't think they shot Mindhunter in Australia. Well, yeah, and again, Michael Lucas is going between sets because he's working on a lot of different shows Yeah, everybody's right busy. Yeah. Well, that, that's good. They didn't shoot during COVID, or they did? No, they did. Okay. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? I just want to say that also for um, authenticity's sake, they spoke to a lot of therapists just based off of the whole entire sexist nature of it and to make sure that everyone was okay. So that, again, it was just another layer that they went through. It would be pretty nuts if a show that was supposed to be making a commentary about how times had changed or how uh, p- putting a focus spotlight on how bad it used to be would then use that opportunity to become sexist itself. Like, I understand they need to put those therapists there in order, but it just seems weird to me that, like, anybody would think that that would happen. It would be so weird if it did, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think it's just, like, kind of a whole different stage that actors maybe have to go through or something. It would be maniacal if, like, they were like, well, we're going to make a show about this and then do it. Yeah, that'd be be crazy. (laughs) In fact, one of of the shows I was even wondering if it was like, because um, Joanna Werner, who was the producer for the show, said that it was supposed to be kind of a challenging uh, watch for workplace culture if it was maybe... That's why it's, like, industry, but yeah. related to possibly, like, Unbelievable or something like that. 
Unbelievable. Uh, oh, no. It's nothing as dark as Unbelievable. Okay. Um, the Morning Show, though, I haven't seen it, but it does feel like that also deals with uh, a woman coming in to replace. Uh, and I know that Anna Torf's character isn't replacing Jeff, but I think that that might be where it ends up going, is that she becomes the main person of the show as opposed to them splitting it. Because right now it's Helen and Jeff. Well, yeah, and she's... But, but it could just become Helen. Helen is supposed to be the more volatile of the two, I think. She's the better reporter, though. Yeah, okay. Like, she's able to get her words out without having to redo it. So, I don't know. But we'll see where it goes. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.